0: In April, we held the ACCME 2021 meeting Embracing Change. During the three-day conference, we welcomed more than 850 registrants from all 50 states and eight countries outside of the U.S., representing 469 organizations. Our theme this year embodied the strength of our continuing education community as we strive to engage healthcare learners and their care communities in improving and leading transformation. This is the Coffee with Graham podcast, and I'm your host, Melissa Simmons. In each episode, we'll discuss different issues and hot topics in healthcare with ACCME President and CEO, Dr. Graham McMahon. We'll also have guest interviews with our continuing education colleagues. These are monthly conversations that address local and national healthcare priorities. Thank you for listening. During the planning for a post-pandemic healthcare workforce session, Dr. Graham McMahon and Dr. Ngozi Ezeke, Director of the Illinois Department of Public Health, led a discussion about the expectations for clinicians as they all adapt to a post-pandemic workforce and navigate the new expectations in continuing education for addressing the new competencies for the healthcare education team.
1: Thank you, Dr. McMahon. I'm so excited to have received this invitation and be able to be uh, with this group. And it's such an important topic. As just I've just logged on in the last few minutes, CDC has already dropped new guidelines. You know that I, you know my team is wanting me to respond to. So yes, the idea of being able to keep up uh, and be able to be that uh, repertoire or repository for our for the for the general public in terms of keeping up our ourselves. It's uh, it's very timely and uh, right on target.
0: Those of us in Illinois know Dr. Ezeke for her leadership in addressing the public health crisis with daily COVID-19 briefings during the height of the pandemic and for vocalizing the need for all industries to be engaged in public health efforts.
1: We obviously look to our clinicians, our doctors to be at the forefront of keeping people safe. And, you know, just a a quick example, you know, things were happening very quickly. You know, we were thinking about schools and how to keep those, uh, those settings safe and understanding that the presentation of COVID was absolutely indistinguishable from any of the other illnesses that, you know, a kid could present with. And so, you know, when we had people have symptoms and and they were sent home and they went to their doctor and the doctor without moving forward with any kind of testing saying oh no this is this is just an acute respiratory illness you know or it's just allergies or it's just acute gastroenteritis and sending the kid back to school uh, and then later of course finding out that it in fact was covid and it had caused spread as a result you know we just understood how important it was for everybody in the medical community to be on the same page with this up-to-date, evolving information, and so that was a constant, uh, you know, pain point to see how quickly can we get this information disseminated, and how many people are following uh, public health closely enough to keep up with these rapid, uh, these rapidly evolving <laughs> updates.
2: And, and did you did you find that um, the the community was able to get that information out to healthcare professionals of all sorts? Uh, Was the information conveyance mechanisms that we do have in our system successful or were there major challenges in that?
1: I think uh, both and, you know, there's definitely room for opportunity. You know, we were able to work with, uh, for instance, when we're working, thinking about schools, we wanted to work with the Illinois chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics the Illinois Association of Family Physicians. You know, we worked with the Illinois Hospital Association. You know, we have our siren, which is our way of getting things out electronically, but we don't know exactly who signed up and who's not. Um, so we realized we have some streams and some pipelines that exist, but really they needed to be expanded. Um, and so we're looking inward to see what we can do. We know that uh, we probably need to step up and have free you know, CEs that we put out in response to something like this, and that people know that you can go to the state health department's website and look for relevant, uh, poignant CE information so that you can keep yourself abreast. But that connection to health departments, I don't think is firmly established among providers, you know, amongst physicians across the state, but that's a relationship that obviously has to be, you know, strengthened. You know, built in some cases. Strengthened in some other cases.
0: The pandemic not only presented a public health crisis, but it disproportionately affected communities of color and magnified health inequities and social
1: determinants of health. I mean, of course, I think these issues were were well known before before the pandemic they, they, the pandemic didn't ha- somehow have an exception uh, to to the facts that were already on the ground. So, you know, I think uh, we saw inequities in many different stages. Um, I think we tried to be very nimble and responsive right away in terms of having an a health equity work group as part of the COVID response team. And that work group was actually filled with people from various communities that was filled with advocacy group uh, workers who were just going to make sure that they held the state health department, held our feet to the fire to make sure that we were not uh, intentionally or unintentionally leaving any group behind. Um, But the issues, you know, of racism, I mean, we're so well aware of that in terms of the differences that we see in maternal mortality, infant mortality, so many other issues. So um, I think there's a growing awareness nationally, internationally, that we're all having that reckoning now, which will benefit all of our societies.
2: Now, what would you like like continuing education to be doing in, in regard to diversity and equity issues in our communities, in our society, through their educational approaches, through their relationship with their learners, through their relationship with their community health, what what are the lessons we've learned from this past year and the efforts that have been uh, successful and have not been successful that uh, you you think we should take forward?
1: I mean, they're very complicated and maybe difficult to do, you know, in a single one-off training. But you know, these there are you know very successful uh, seminars that can be created. Just it's more about dialoguing and understanding the issues. I think. Uh, even within the world of public health, we have people who uh, don't understand what some of these issues are, what, uh, what it means when we talk about equity, and does it just mean that you're, you know, prioritizing another person and saying somebody else is now more important than another, and being able to kind of chip away of that and, and look at what the data has actually shown us for different communities and how they experience uh, different levels of health and why that is, I just think needs to be laid out pretty plainly so that people understand what the discussion and what is what is all the noise about. Because I think uh, in places and in, in some professionals, that that's not clear. And I think it's more, you know, we have to really concentrate maybe in places where uh, the exposure is not as much it's, it's, usually, it's often in, in situations where there is not a lot of exposure that we don't know the blinders that we have on until we've been presented situations to kind of, like you said, that cognitive dissonance pushed into that corner to say, oh, I, I never realized that. But I, I think we can make progress. And I think uh, this is a great opportunity through, through continuing education to, to probe at some areas that probably haven't been probed at too deeply.
2: Yeah, and that, it, seem, it seems that there are important lessons here for the ways in which we think about the environments that we teach, but also how we teach, who we teach with, and, and what's in that educational content, so that we address the issues, not just how to, but the whys and the hows of uh, of doing new things, particularly related to public health crises like this.
0: Dr. Ezekiel goes on to discuss the implications of teaming and why it was important to include multiple professions in the pandemic response.
1: I think the lesson that we learned too strongly was that, you know, bad information goes faster than than the truth, you know, so, you know, it's really hard to unring that bell, um, and so trying to get in front of things, sometimes you don't even see something coming, so trying to unring the bell is the only, the tool we have, but, you know, the comms, team like we've had to grow our communications team in multiples to deal with you know getting the message out using different media we're we're bringing on you know younger people much younger people to help us with new meat you know we have to have activity on TikTok if we're going to reach out to teenagers and 20-year-olds, and you know, that's not any expertise that we had. Uh, so really trying to get ahead and, and direct the narrative instead of responding to misinformation. You try to, but still you have to be aggressive when that misinformation tries to take hold to try to uh, have the truth be alongside of it. At the end of the day, people get to choose what they want to believe, but they at least need to have both options present.
2: Yeah, it's so easy to create that medical misinformation. You need a a compelling, empathetic story, uh, a piece of truth in the information, something that sounds molecular or biologically plausible. And then you got to have something sensational associated with it. You bring those ingredients together and you've got something that can take off across social media and do enormous amounts of damage, um, but elevate those who have some ulterior motive in presenting and disseminating that type of information. In some cases, targeting very specific communities, um, very intentionally and dangerously. How we anticipate that, how we as an educational community uh, put up the the better information and the more compelling approach to produce the new TikToks, to produce the the better Facebook posts that that uh, is sophisticated in the way in which we address medical information seems a new demand of our system that is especially challenging for us to address. Are, are there other final comments you'd like to make to our uh, esteemed colleagues in continuing education that might uh, help us make a bigger impact on our communities?
1: Yeah, I, I think we just all have to remember that. All of the physicians like health and wellness obviously is our, is our first priority. And uh, we achieve that obviously with prevention of so many of these illnesses that go on to cause so many of the things that we're then managing. So, you know, the behaviors ourselves are, are there's teaching and that making sure that we are on top of uh, really compliant with the, you know, hand hygiene before and after each patient that these patients see how important that is not just in COVID times. You know, we have been lax with letting our, you know, our patient populations get vaccinated for the flu each flu season at about in the 40s percent. You know, so as we look at, you know, where we are in Illinois, that we vaccinated over you know, almost 55% of the adults, that that's incredible given how we have not Uh, been able to really more effectively champion vaccination. So these are things that we just really need to focus on uh, so that when, you know, everyone is saying that the next pandemic is not gonna be another hundred years from now. And so to really be ready for that, we want to also have, you know, a populace that's ready to accept the measures that will keep us as safe as possible and minimize death. And that might be the hand-washing, learning, you know, understanding that masks are good, understanding that vaccinations are, are the best uh, public health intervention of the last century uh, and that we need to take these up readily. So I think there's room that we can uh, improve on that, which will help the people that we serve.
0: today here are a few tweets from you all our audience during the virtual meeting at cventura 5001 says really really enjoyed dr shanice reese queen's session own your own awesomeness it was so timely i definitely struggle with imposter syndrome so it was great to hear her dropping that knowledge at M. Bernson Leung says, amazing to bring together leaders from all over celebrating what we've accomplished this year, but also pulling no punches about the state of American medicine and public health. At Carol underscore Pizutsi says, definitely a great start. Worth my lack of sleep attending from Sydney, Australia. <laughs> Thanks. We're glad you think so, Carol. And that'll do it for this episode. Until next time.